Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for June 18th, 2018. On today's episode, we'll talk about what we've been up to in the water cooler. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers, Y. Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys, uh, it's been a week uh, for sure. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about what we've been doing. I'll, I'll start things off um, by talking about a little magic because – and I should mention, uh, for some reason, whenever I mention in the water cooler something having to do with magic, I get like five emails telling me never talk about magic ever again on the podcast and then like – Five emails telling me to talk about magic more on the podcast. So uh, it seems to be the uh, next to movie pass, the most divisive thing that's on this podcast. So, but anyways, I, I, I assure you, this story is actually interesting. Um, this past week, I went to the Magic Castle uh, with my friend Rudy. Uh, before I came, though, I was uh, wandering the castle, and uh, immediately when I entered um, the establishment, uh, some person, uh, someone I didn't know came up to me and started having this conversation with me as if 
almost as if he knew who I was or as if we had talked before, but I, I did not recall this person. Um, I assumed maybe he read the website. This happens from time to time. Um, and uh, whatever. It was a strange conversation. I went on. Uh, someone else came up to me, offered to buy me a drink. And I was like, this this is really strange because this is, you know, another person I didn't know just, like, acting as if they know me. Um, I went downstairs to go see another magician's show uh, downstairs in the cellar. And while I was walking down the stairs, another magician member was coming up the stairs. And uh, as I passed him, he was like, good show last night. Which is weird because I wasn't at the Magic Castle the night before or uh, performed a show at the Magic Castle. Uh, and it, while I was watching the show down in the cellar, the, the magician I was watching, uh, a guy named K-Dog, uh, started to refer to me as as under the name Nader. Um, which I corrected him. I was like, you know, I, I I'm, my name's Peter. Turns out there is a magician performing last week at the Magic Castle uh with the name nader uh i posted a video of one of his performances on twitter i'll link it in the show notes but apparently he looks a lot like me uh people on twitter say that we should get together and do a double act um but it's uh it's actually strange because even after i you know i kind of corrected uh this magician i was walking around the the castle and there's this uh, guy named howard who is I want to refer to as like uh, the Yoda of the Magic Castle. He's like the guy, you know, the the older guy that you go to for advice. And what, I've had many conversations with him. And uh, when I saw him, I was like, hey, Howard. And he was like, hey, can you get me tickets to the 10 o'clock show of yours? And, and I'm, now, now I'm wondering if this whole time I've had, you know, hours, probably like three hours combined conversations with this guy, if he the whole time thought I was Nader. Peter, all this sounds like a really elaborate way for you to prove that you're not this person when it's so clear that you are Nader. I mean, there's no other explanation here, right? Yeah, you and Nader should team up and do some kind of like magic show together. Yeah. Do a prestige, do the essentially. Prestige. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. But now, Ben, now that you bring this up, maybe this is a whole elaborate uh, ploy to, uh, you know, <laughs> see, I, maybe I want to perform at the Magic Castle and not know, you know, have people that know the site know that I'm performing. So I've created this entire different persona. Yeah, I mean, if I learned anything from the prestige, it's that most of the work happens <laughs> off the stage in Magic. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, th- that would be very elaborate. Uh, I-, I assure you that's not the case. I did get to see Nader's show. I was going to go up to him because everybody on Twitter was telling me I needed to. But his entire family was there, and I uh, thought that would be weird. But um, anyways, <laughs> uh, let's move on. Brad, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, just putzing around, doing my own magic shows out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean... I like to dabble and have some fun every now and then, just like you guys do. And so lately, I've been trying to figure out what to do with the, the giant shipment of Jurassic Doritos that I got last week. Oh, from you didn't Free- get to talk about this on the podcast. So explain to us what you actually received. Yeah. So last week, um, we got sent I, – I got, I got a big box all of a sudden from FedEx um, and – it was a huge box, and I knew it was nothing that I bought because I didn't buy anything that big. Um, and then I remembered that there's something Frito-Lay was supposed to be sending in conjunction with the release of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. 
And so whatever it was, I assumed that that's what it was. I wasn't given any hint as to what was involved in the shipment or anything like that. And so I get the box inside and I open it. And inside is this huge silver crate, um, like a legitimately metal crate that is about the size of like an ottoman. Uh, and it says has the Jurassic World logo on it, and it's on one side, and it says Jurassic Doritos on another side. And so I was thinking, oh, maybe they're just like a bunch of, you know, Jurassic World branded, you know, Doritos, you know, things inside. So I open it up, and inside is this this huge dinosaur egg that has like a crack uh, all the way through the the middle of it, split down the middle. And so I get the egg out and open it up, and inside of it is this massive nacho cheese dorito one single dorito that is like the size of basically a large pizza slice 18 times the size of a normal dorito um and it's just it's just huge and it's, it's inside this like plastic sleeve that was inside the egg and it's just so ridiculously excessive and elaborate um apparently there's only a hundred that they made and like you can try and win them uh on online if you like go through twitter and do hashtag Jurassic Doritos, hashtag entry. You can try and, and win one. There's also one that's being auctioned off for charity at the JurassicDoritos.com website. But I I have this chip now, and I have a plan for what to do with the chip, which I'll talk about at some point once that has actually been executed. Not to be super secretive for no reason or anything, but like it's, it's, it's something that's coming online. But I still have this, this big crate and this egg inside of it, and I don't really know what to do with it. Like... Part of me says, like, I could sell it. I'm sure someone would pay for it. But it's also just, it's also really cool. So I don't know if maybe I should figure out a way to, like, turn it into, like, an actual ottoman. Like, make the top of it, like, a cushion or something like that. By the way, I, I, I looked on eBay, Brad, for this uh, auction that you mentioned that's going to towards charity. Yeah. One of these things right now is currently going for $12,211. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. I need to sell mine. <laughs> <laughs> anyways i'm sorry um oh my god is is that like a going price or is that like just what someone priced it at it's it, it has 75 bids but that's the one that they are auctioning oh that's, that's the, the... one okay yeah that's all for charity so that's probably that, that's the reason for that then i bet <laughs> yeah i bet you if i sold mine i wouldn't get twelve thousand dollars for it <laughs> if you do um, i i would not eat it i would i would i would sell it yeah Oh no, a hundred percent. Um. So, but yeah. So now, so I, yeah. So now I just have this thing, and like, I don't know what to do with it. It's it's, it's huge. Like, I, I really don't have a place where I can like sit it and like even display it in uh in a, like a, a an easy way. It's just it's so big. <laughs> don't you have a bunch of like Ghostbusters collectibles and stuff, Brad? Can't you like use that as like a almost like a table or like a display for other things that you're trying to display maybe? Not really cuz it's not really conducive to like displaying anything. Like it has a handle on top like a real crate does. So it doesn't really function as a tabletop. Mm-hmm. Um and the the surface area it, it's actually longer height-wise than it is width or, or length-wise like on the surface level on top of it. So it's it really doesn't serve any functional purpose. Um, I, I could kind of use it for storage, but the inside of it is kind of like specifically contoured and shaped to fit the dinosaur egg that's inside of it. So it's not it's not like I can just put stuff in it like you know for storage. It's just it's such a strange thing to have in my house now. <laughs> it, it's well, also- it's a good 
Go ahead, Peter. It's also the front of it says Jurassic Doritos on the front of it. It's not like it says Jurassic World or Jurassic Park. Well, it says, it says both. It says Jurassic World on one side and it says Jurassic Doritos oh, okay. on the other. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that people should write in at peter at slashfilm.com with suggestions <laughs> on what the hell you should do with this thing. Yeah, and don't have a bunch of people saying, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, you know, it, we oftentimes get sent uh, – these kind of promotional things from companies will tweet about it. Um, you know, we, we don't oftentimes write about these, you know, these swag uh, sendings or mailings, whatever you want to call them, on the site. But uh, when Rogue One was coming out, I got sent by Gillette. I guess Gillette had a uh, partnership with um, Lucasfilm and Disney, and they created these like Star, like these limited edition Star Wars razor blades. So, like, they have a razor blade that looks like a stormtrooper. They have one that looks like a rebel fighter. And, like, they sent me this display that has, like, three custom razor blades, like, on display in, like, this um, almost, like, triangular, like, display case. And I've had it in my bathroom, <laughs> like, sitting there. <laughs> like, you can't even use these razor blades because, like, I don't even think they were made to, like, actually shape. Like, they were, like custom made just for i don't even know what they were custom made for to send it to influencers i don't know uh but I, i'm i'm also wondering what i should do with this brad do you have any ideas um maybe i, I can mean, put it in your jurassic crate yeah there you go <laughs> we, we'll use my jurassic crate to store all the swag that we don't know what to do with now we're sounding like we're just like the worst humble braggers complaining about this free stuff that we get sent to us. No, believe me, I'm not complaining by any means. It's just, it's just, it's such a unique problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and speaking of this unique problem, Chris, I heard that you also received an, a very peculiar swag mailing. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Netflix sent me a pair of uh, high heels to advertise the four-year consideration campaign for their show Mindhunter. Um, if you haven't seen Mindhunter, there's uh, you know it's it's a show about the, the birth of criminal profiling and you know how the FBI started tracking serial killers. And in one of the episodes, the the FBI profilers they go and they talk to a serial killer who has a, a shoe fetish, and he, he's you know he's talking about how he's attracted to high heels. And the FBI profiler gets so curious about this, he actually goes out and buys himself a pair of high heels just for himself to sort of try and get into the head of this guy. And so with that in mind, Netflix sent me uh, a pair of size 16 uh, women's high heels. So I don't know what to do with these because I can't give them to my wife because she is not a, a size 16 and uh, I'm not going to wear them. So uh, I just have, <laughs> I just have this, this size of this pair of very large high heels in a in a shoebox sitting around my house. So it's both strange and interesting. I mean, and it also in a way it also did the trick because getting that just reminded me of the show. And now I just recently re started rewatching Mindhunter. So it like it triggered a, a reminder in my mind to watch the show. So I guess so in works. some ways. Yeah, it does work, although I don't vote for the Emmy campaign. So, you know, I, I won't have any any say in that, but. Thanks, Netflix. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think of an idea of what you could do with that sh that shoe, but I, I have no idea. I have no no thoughts on this, Chris. Um, 
yeah, I, I was going to ask the readers to write in and tell us what the most interesting, weirdest swag they have received in the mail. But I, I realized that this is a unique problem that uh, or unique situation that only happens probably to people that write about uh, or are members of an academy or something like that. Uh, usually you only get sent something like this is if you're like enter a contest on Twitter. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, but if you have any ideas of what Brad should do with his Jurassic crate, send it to Peter at slashfilm.com and I will, I will forward along all the ideas to Brad. Thanks. (laughs) Yes. Uh, let's move on to what we've been reading. Ben, what have you been reading? Yeah, I actually received a book in the mail to sort of keep this particular swag train rolling uh, that I didn't ask for, and I have no idea why I got it. I must be on some sort of list or something, but uh, I figured in lieu of writing a full article about it on the site, it would be a good place to talk about it here because this book is actually pretty cool. It's called The Movie Making Magic of Star Wars Creatures Plus Aliens. That's how it's uh, styled on the title. It's uh, a cinemagic book, a brand that I've never heard of before. But uh, this book is it's a lot of fun. It's it seems to be aimed at a pretty young age group. And I would say that if you're a parent out there listening and you have a kid who uh, is just sort of on the cusp of really uh, getting into and interested in the way that uh, films are made, this is a really great book to get for them because it starts out by sort of defining a lot of the uh, typical terms that you would expect and, and need to know, you know, things like visual effects and production and post-production and um, you know, just like the the basics, basically, it sort of goes through and like gives you a good groundwork if you've never heard of it or read any books or uh, done any sort of digging into how movies get put together. This book does a really good job of laying it out. And it, the whole thing is basically it takes you movie by movie through all of the Star Wars films and uh, concentrates on, as the title indicates, creatures and aliens and how they were made. So there's a lot of behind the scenes photos and um you know, digital models and and cool stuff like that. They have these little, uh, one of the big sort of selling points of the book is that it has, uh, in addition to just like the normal text and images you would find in a normal book, it also has like flip up areas where you can sort of see the same image. And if you flip up the the image, almost like a pop-up book kind of thing, you'll see uh, a second image where it's like halfway through the process. And if you flip that up, then you'll see the very first, you know, version of that uh, particular creature or something like that. So uh, there are little concept art books that are like built into it where you can flip through and see art from guys like Joe Johnston and, and all sort of sorts of people who worked on these movies. There's a bunch of behind the scenes photos of like Dennis Murin and Phil Tippett and people that like, we probably know about because we've been writing about them for years, but you know, younger viewers and and readers probably don't know who these guys are uh, at that, that stage in their uh, movie development. But this is a really cool introduction to them because it it really goes in depth in terms of like how all of the puppets were made and you know, the different it's, I think it, it, uh, one of the parts in the book says it took 8,000 pounds of clay to make the mold for Jabba the Hutt. And there's a lot of cool little facts and stuff in there like that. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a, a quick shout out to this book. It has, a, like I said, something from every single Star Wars movie all the way up through Solo, a Star Wars story. And one thing, even though we write or have written uh, so much about that movie, there was one thing in here that... I had never heard of before, and that was, uh, I think his name, let me pull up the page right now, uh, Rio Durant, the character who is voiced by uh, John Favreau. 
the way that they created that character was he actually um, it, it's like a blending of a gymnast who is inside a suit. Her name is Katie Cartwheel, uh, who's a four foot six and she's like an acrobat. And so they put her inside the suit and actually had her doing like flips and stuff in the cockpit of the ship where Rio hangs out. And then they also uh, did like some digital face replacement stuff. And so it's like a mixture of and they and they added an extra set of arms to that character as well. So I, I thought it was an entirely CG character, but it turns out it's a woman in a suit doing like the physical motion. And then uh, it's like a half and half 50 50 split of uh, of practical and CG effects. And I had never heard that story about the creation of that character before. So, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. If you're interested in uh, the, do, the inner workings of Star Wars, do they actually show like what was augmented onto the reality of that that performance or um they say that uh let's see uh inside the suit was katie cartwheel four foot six acrobat and gymnast whose arms operated rio's front pair a second set which extended out of the suit's back was added digitally by artists at ilm the suit didn't have a face so cartwheel was able to see clearly as she understood or i'm sorry undertook the role's physical demands ilm later added rio's cg face in post-production so um yeah there's not like a, a particular image of of that but there are and that's one of the cool things about the book too is there's a lot of images of like um all of the it's like a what would you call it like a cross-section image of like the the puppeteers inside of job of the hut's body and stuff like that so it shows you you know there was room for six guys to be inside there you know each one moving different parts of the creature and it was one guy's job just to push the chest in and out so it simulated breathing and all course all sorts of cool stuff like that so uh the book again is called the movie making magic of star wars creatures plus aliens so yeah i'd recommend it especially for younger uh readers wait so quick question so there's a gymnast whose real name is katie cartwell uh, uh, cartwheel yeah but it's cartwheel cartwheel with a k and katie is with a k as well so yeah what are, uh, what are the odds that i know someone with that name would literally just grow up to do cartwheels for a living that's i insane. wonder if it, it might be a stage name but still that's pretty cool <laughs> i hope not I, I want that to be her real name and it just fate. <laughs> The, the other thing while you're reading this, like I always think of things from the writer's perspective uh, because we write about so much stuff. And I like when I hear you relay that fact about how many cans of clay were used to create the mold for Job of the Hut. I'm like, mm-hmm. where did the writer get that information? Like, is someone at Lucasfilm like, is there like an invoice like that they actually like were like? You know, back when they were making Return of the Jedi, we were like, like, you know, we use this many cans, you know, because it's like, yeah, I think so, because there's a there's a ton of interviews in here, too. Like (laughs) not not like super in-depth ones, but basically for every creature created there, the uh, author was able to talk to the people who actually designed and created these uh, these creatures. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in here directly from Lucasfilm. It's not just some guy doing you know, individual research or whatever. So yeah, I think he probably did get access to that. And then, you know, I, I would think if there's like a Lucasfilm, um, like a creature shop or something there, they probably have some stories, you know, locked and ready to go in case journalists come by asking for stuff. And they probably told the story of how Jabba the Hutt was created so many times that they have done the math already and, you know, figured yeah, yeah. out, yeah, it's this many kind of things just to sort of make it sound impressive or like give people a baseline for being, being able to wrap their heads around it. For sure. Um, Okay, let's talk about what we've been watching 
Over the weekend, I decided to use my movie pass and go see Ocean's 8, um, which I enjoyed. It was fun, but kind of disposable. Uh, I don't think Gary Ross quite captured the style and feel of the Ocean's films. It almost seems to me like this would have been better if it wasn't trying to be part of that franchise and it was just a standalone film about a, a bunch of uh you know, female high, you know, female heist kind of thing, uh, without her being related to Danny Ocean. Uh, the, also, the lack of a real threatening antagonist, I think, hurt the film. Uh, but uh, I really liked Anne Hathaway. Uh, I, you know, I shockingly, shockingly like James Corden in this film, and uh, Aquafina, who I guess is a rapper. I, I mean, I'm not. She is. She's a YouTube rapper, actually. A YouTube rapper. I, I didn't have any idea who she was or whatever, but and she only has a really small part in this film, but I really enjoyed her and I loved her uh, kind of uh, just vibe. So I hope uh, she gets more roles. But uh, she's going to be in Crazy Rich Asians this summer. Oh, good. Uh, did you see this movie? Yeah, I talked about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I you talked did. about it last yes. week, I think. Yeah, I thought I had the kind of the same thoughts as you. I enjoyed the cast and the and their chemistry, but I thought the direction was kind of pedestrian. Yeah, agreed. Um I tried over the weekend to go see Won't You Be My Neighbor, uh the documentary on uh Mr. Rogers, um which is I don't know, maybe a slightly interesting story. Uh, we were out eating. We we're like, is there any movies we can see within a certain time period? And, uh, you know, 10 minutes away was the landmark movie theater. And I, we tried to get over there to use our movie passes to get into the into this movie. We knew that we were going to be arriving like right when the movie started. But I, I thought maybe, uh, you know, we could buy the tickets, you know, even though it was like a minute or two after the 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 movie showtime because you know there's 15 minutes of trailers turns out the theater we were going to uh is one of the rare movie theaters where they actually have uh uh, on movie pass you can buy advanced tickets you can buy actually select your seats so we ran into the rare problem where when we arrived at the theater um there was no way to use the movie pass card and because the showtime had already started uh, you could not select seats in the MoviePass app, so there was no way to use MoviePass. So we, we decided not to spend the money and not see the movie. Uh, but uh, more on that movie a little bit later. I, I just want to say one last thing in what I've been watching, um, and that is Westworld. So the the next to final episode of this season, uh, I am every, like... And I watched Westworld last night. Uh, last night's episode uh, filled in some of the holes that I thought. Uh, I, I don't know why. I always think that the showrunners of the show, uh, Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan, are sometimes sacrificing logic for story. And like, there's some things that don't make sense in the show. And continuously, they come back like episodes later after I'm like, this really doesn't make quite the sense but i guess they're just trying to tell the story and then later there's some kind of explanation that totally explains everything and uh makes me feel like an idiot forever questioning them uh chris i know you've been watching this show for the site uh do you feel the same way yeah i I think that's true although i do think 
a lot of times it seems like they're just sort of making it up as they go along and then they quickly come up with a solution uh, like in the la- you know after the fact but yeah I, I do agree with that yeah so, yeah th- that's what i really wonder is it like all in the plans or is it retroactively you know trying to fill in those holes and sometimes like with like the scalp stuff that they kind of uh justified in last uh week's episode i think obviously that seems retroactive to me but there's you know stuff that happened in last night's episode is filling in holes that were left, you know, a co- uh, from things that were a couple episodes ago, which I would think that they would have, you know, ironed out those kind of plot details by the time that they were writing, you know, an episode that was two episodes ago. And now so it almost makes me wonder, like, why leave those holes out there? Like, I don't know. Maybe it is satisfying. I mean, I guess it's satisfying for me you know, two episodes later to be like, oh, okay, there is a complete justification. Uh, and if anybody's uh, listening to this that is watching Westworld, I'm talking about the hats in, in specific here. Uh, but yeah, anyways, let's move on. Chris, what have you been watching? Uh, well, I was able to see uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor over the weekend. I saw it yesterday, actually. And uh, it is as great as everyone's saying it is. And uh, yes, it did make me cry my eyes out the um i I don't want to give away i guess spoilers even though you can't really spoil a documentary but the way the the very last scene of the film is set up it it goes through this sort of like quick little montage and it cuts to black and the entire theater was like dead silent and this like choked sob just came out of my i couldn't like hold it back it just came out and like it filled that silence and it was just like it was just this uncontrollable wave of emotion that washed over me. It's it's a very uh, wonderful movie. And if you're miserable about the world, and I understand if you are because everything is a nightmare right now, uh, I recommend going to see this because it will um, – it will remind you that, you know, as rare as it might seem, there there are good people in the world occasionally. So it, it's it's it lives up to the hype. I, I love how the message you got from it is still like seems depressing to me <laughs> that there well, are good I people mean... <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> it's like I... I, every so often a good person will show up. <laughs> well, that's that's sort of the message of the film, too, because, um, you know, they don't draw they don't come right out and say you know they don't talk about current events but the message of the film is you know if if more people were like fred rogers the world wouldn't be this catastrophe it is right now um uh, and the other thing i watched over the weekend was i watched all of glow season two because i have the the screeners for that that's that's hitting netflix uh, at the end of the month and i'm i'm reviewing it for the site and uh you know i'll have a i'll have a full review on the site but it's it's great um glow is one of the the better netflix shows because it's one of the few netflix shows that knows how to pace its episodes um uh, all the episodes are only about a half hour long, so they, they just sort of breeze right by, unlike other Netflix shows, which tend to drag and uh, belay things to the point where it's almost uh, insufferable. Um, this show does it really well, and it's very funny, and it's it's very clever, and uh, I, I think I liked this season more than season one. Interesting, because I felt like the episodes on the first season were too short. And I also felt that it, it was at its best when it was going to when it was going more to dramedy than comedy, 
but uh you're saying this season is more of a comedy uh no that 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 drama element is still there but it's it's an even balance where it's both very funny and it also you know it 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 takes things very seriously to it's it's it balances that comedy and drama very well, uh, better than a lot of other shows I can think of. So I, I highly recommend it. Do, do we know when Glow Season 2 is going to hit Netflix? I believe it is the 29th, so the end of the month. Net, not this Friday, but next Friday. Cool. HT, you've been at the movies. What have you been watching? So I finally saw American Animals, which my dad wanted to see. We went to see that for Father's Day um, weekend essentially. And it actually surprised me because I had heard mixed reviews about it, but it was almost like a mix of a true crime documentary with a well-made heist thriller. So, um, the movie itself is a little bit conventional and thinks itself a little too clever, but I enjoyed I enjoyed it for what it was, and Evan Peters is really good in it as well. So that is a movie that was fun to see, and I used my movie my movie pass for it too, um, which coincidentally Movie Pass co-acquired that film through its distribution deal with um, some independent studios. So I guess it wins in the end. <laughs> uh, and the other film I saw this well, weekend do was... Do they win? Because they paid for you to go see their movie and made no money off it. Yeah, I guess they actually no lost <laughs> money because they actually lost half the ticket price to the theater that you saw it. Right. And then they also bought the film it, as well. So just like <laughs> double the losses. Yeah, I don't I don't really know movie passes strategy, but thanks for the free movies. <laughs> um, the other movie I saw was Incredibles 2, which I really enjoyed. So I'm going to say something controversial in that I thought the first Incredibles was just fine. It wasn't one of what? my favorite picks. I know. I, I always thought it was just like a fun family um, action superhero movie. I didn't really think it was, you know, one of the best Pixar movies. Uh, I, I actually, I admittedly have not seen it in a while, so my opinion may change. But I liked Incredibles 2 more than the first film. I just thought that... Um, and that's not to say the first film I disliked. I thought it was like a good movie. Uh, I just felt like um, the characters were more richly realized in this film, and they felt like more in, more complex, uh, deep characters rather than like in the first film they felt like they had jumped straight out of the comic book page, and here they felt like something a little bit more fleshed out. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought the the sort of the family dynamics were fun. I thought Elastigirl's whole subplot was really great. I liked the villain a lot. Um, and even though the twist, like you said, is, you can see it coming from a mile away, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and just like, it was filmed really well too. Real, I think it looked very cinematic in a way that pleasantly surprised me, especially the the scene that people have been, warn- been warning about, about the... Um, a possible epileptic the strobing sort of scene. yeah the strobing the strobing scene that scene was really well done so uh it's a beautiful movie to watch so i i liked incredibles too a lot it was incredible <laughs> uh ben what have you seen at the theater this week uh, I saw Ocean's 8 as well, and I pretty much mirror uh, your and HT's thoughts on that, so we don't really need to go into that anymore. Uh, I also uh, caught up with Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which I 
heard from practically everyone that like, oh yeah, this movie is better than it has any right to be. It's better than you think. It's uh, it's actually pretty good. And I'm here to say that you all are wrong and you've led me astray because this movie <sighs> is garbage. <laughs> this movie is garbage. I don't understand how. Man, no. <laughs> come on, come on, people, come on. Ben, you're um, wrong here. You're wrong. Oh my god, I can't, <laughs> I was like sitting there like. I cannot believe that people are giving this movie a pass. I just, okay. So the one thing that I did really appreciate about it is that the rock has sort of been rubbing me the wrong way over the past, I don't know, year or two. And maybe I just need to not, I just need to stop following him on social media. That might actually sort of help some of this, but uh, he, you know, all of the characters that he plays are very much like just, uh, shaded versions of the rock trying to be a cool guy like it's it's hard to separate the man from the characters that he's playing because he's like such a big superstar and that's really what he's leaning into as a performer these days but i thought in jumanji it was i I didn't get that sense at all because it's one level removed right it's supposed to be it's the rock is playing this kid who is you know there's like one extra person in the mix because The Rock is an avatar, a video game avatar that this kid falls into. So anytime you see The Rock doing anything, it's ostensibly being controlled and, and all the decisions and actions are being made by this kid. So, uh, yeah, it's a whole different vibe. And and I really appreciated that. I thought, you know, I didn't get that whiff of like, I'm, oh, my God, I'm going to have to roll my eyes at The Rock trying to act cool in this movie. Uh, so I'll give it that. But, you know, the humor, I thought almost all of it just fell flat. I mean, Jack Black did what he could with <laughs> with that role. But there's just it, – it felt so – Ben, I mean, if you had seen this in the movie theater, you would have heard the people laughing all around you. I, I mean, uh, that – Peter, no, that ben, is, that's actually not really true. I, I'm I'm in between everybody else and Ben here. Because I don't think Jumanji is anywhere near as good as everyone's saying it is, but I don't think it's I don't think it's hot garbage either. I think it's <laughs> I think it's amusing to some extent, but I think that it totally misuses the premise of Jumanji being a video game and like has some really strange choices as far as how to progress the story. Um, but I I think that everyone's great in the movie. You know, uh, I, I actually love Jack Black in this role. It's 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 a one note character and like and how he approaches it. But it's a pretty good note for him to hit throughout the movie. And, like, he was he constantly made me laugh throughout it. Yeah, he's fine. But, like, the villain is terrible. Bobby Cannavale, like, what the hell is he doing in this movie? I don't know. The I, I think, again, part of it is just, like, The Rock hyping it up for so long on social media, saying how they, they were really going to do justice to Robin Williams and all this stuff. And it's, like, it's barely mentioned. You know, it's basically, like, a piece of graffiti is, the, is them doing justice to that, the original movie and that character. And it was sort of, like that's it that's the the big uh shout out to the original movie i don't know i i, I was very i was not impressed with this L- movie. listen but, i don't even think this needed to be a jumanji sequel i think it, they could have made this movie not as jumanji but i just think the the playing against type the avatar thing that you're talking about and also the video game construct was just kind of clever it, it was never used to its full potential i agree with you brad that the the villain was not great or good at all but uh i don't know i i just went into it expecting uh you know a dumpster fire and was pleasantly surprised 
Uh, well, one movie that I was uh, I was super surprised about was 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'd never seen this movie before, so I went to the Arclight and saw it here in Hollywood. They're doing uh, a big 70 millimeter, um, sort of like a restoration, but I guess Christopher Nolan was involved in doing that, and he actually t- prefers the term an unrestored uh, version of this movie because he's actually, he was working with Warner Brothers to um, use the original negatives that Stanley Kubrick worked with and, and created, and I guess he basically has has rest restored the movie to the point where it looks almost exactly like it did uh, for audiences when it first came out in 1968. So this is a film that I have been frankly sort of scared of for years. Like I just, you know, everybody reveres this movie and I always saw the two and a half hour runtime and, you know, the fact that it came out in the sixties and uh, it was a Kubrick movie and everybody loves Kubrick. And I just thought like, Oh God, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to be in the right mood when I sit down and watch this. And I actually had the Netflix disc plan. I still have it, but I, I ordered this on DVD or whatever, had it shipped to me years ago. And it just like sat on my coffee table for like, I don't know, three months or something because I just couldn't bring myself to watch it in this way. And I'm so glad that I waited to see this in the theater the first time because I love this movie. It was like completely an immersive experience. I saw it in the Cinerama Dome, which is like an incredible way to watch this film. And I'm I'm looking on the Arclight's website right now. So if anybody happens to be listening to this and you're in LA and you've never seen this movie or just want to see it this way, it's playing until uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week and maybe more than that, but that's all the website says. So uh, definitely go see this movie in this uh, presentation because it looks amazing and I thought I was going to be bored and I was not bored at all. This movie is uh, pretty incredible and you know I- I'd seen so much of it through pop culture recreations and homages over the years but watching it in full uh, in an environment like that there's really um, there's no better way to do it I think and I actually had DVR'd it in September of last year and it's just been sitting on my DVR <laughs> as well so when I got home I I you know, click play just to see the difference of, you know, watching it on a huge screen and then watching it on my TV in my living room. And I, again, I'm so glad that I was able to see it on a big screen. So uh, for anyone out there who is interested in seeing 2001 and and hasn't seen it yet, go to a theater if you can. Sometimes, sometimes, depending on where you live, maybe they'll do like repertory screenings or whatever um, if you can't catch this particular run in in the theaters. But uh, I would highly recommend waiting for a theater because I feel like it's going to make all the difference in the world did your screening have like the intermission yeah yeah it did the whole thing it did the the overture there's like a four minute overture at the beginning before the curtain even pulls back and then yeah there's like a 10 minute uh intermission about two-thirds of the way through um and then yeah it, it gets crazy after that because that's like the uh the last third of the movie goes into this jupiter and the infinite beyond section and it's uh it's pretty wild yeah uh i actually ran over to the arc light uh, to the cinerama dome because quentin tarantino was shooting his new movie there we wrote about it on the site i'll link it in the show notes and they had uh turned back time and recreated the cinerama dome when it was first opening in the 60s and i wanted to, to see that and get some photos but uh when i arrived there i was like 2001 this is, we're in the wrong oh <laughs> uh they had taken down all the uh set decorations so yeah i, I didn't get to see it but anyways uh brad you also got to see a bunch of movies this weekend what did you watch yeah, last week uh, I caught the Thursday night sneak preview screening of Tag, and I don't want to say that I was disappointed because I enjoyed it for the most part, but 
It was not nearly as good as I thought it would be. The trailers made it out to like it was going to be pretty funny. I thought it might be kind of like a little a sleeper comedy hit of the summer. And it's it's definitely enjoyable. The cast is solid in it, but the, there's too many lulls between laughs. And it has a really hard time balancing what they try to make out to be the, the like the touchy-feely, like close friends side of the story with the stylized action comedy element of it. And plus, at times, when it feels like it might dig into like the 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 more you know uh harder side of friendship as far as like you know changing over time and growing away from each other um when it might dive into those issues and how we don't necessarily know everything we think we know about the friends that we stay in touch with but maybe only see so often it kind of veers away from that in favor of just focusing more on the game of tag itself and like it tries to cram a lot into the end as far as like the pulling at your heartstrings and it never really feels like it earns it. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's uh it's it's good, but it's just not. So not worth that. seeing in the theater. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't. I don't think it's really worth going out of your way to see in the theater. It's one that you could catch catch at home, watch it with some friends or something like that. How was Jeremy Renner's arm? You know what? You can't. You you don't you don't even notice it. Honestly, for, I think actually, let's let's clarify for people that don't know. Jeremy Renner what broke his arm in the first week of shooting or something like that. And he, no, 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 he broke both of his arms during the first few days of shooting Tag. Um, and so for most of the production, he had to wear these casts on his arms that were like green screen casts that they could digitally paint over later. But honestly, for most of the movie, he's wearing sleeves, whether it's like a hoodie or a jacket or a suit coat or something like that. So there's only really one scene where you see his arms and you cannot even tell at all that they have digitally like painted over his arms in any capacity whatsoever. It's not noticeable. We are living in the future. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love how that's my indication of we're living in the future. Uh, and you saw Incredibles 2 again? I did. I saw Incredibles 2 again. Um, I actually re- liked it even more a second time. I still don't think it's quite as good as the original, but I, but I, I love this movie. I wish that you liked it more, Peter. I know that you still really like it, but I wish that you would appreciate just how good it really is because every, everything about it is fantastic. You know what? I, I After hearing HT talk about it, I, I do agree with her that the character dynamics, I think, are richer, that the animation and the design is is deeper. Uh, it's just, to me, I think it's the story. I think the whole villain thing, to me, like, just sours me. And there's also a... I don't want to get into spoilers, but there's a trope in movies, uh, and especially comic book movies, uh, that is employed by the villains in this movie that I, I just hate. And, when, and, uh, when and it works... It works perfectly. It's executed fantastically. It no, makes sense. no. When, when that trope comes along in any movie, I don't think there's one no. movie that it comes along or TV show that comes along that like I just don't zone out. I'm like, oh. yeah, you're wrong. No, it's fine though. Okay. Uh, and then I watched Mulan for the first time. What? Yeah, I had never seen Mulan. So Mulan came out in 1998, which was kind of right around the time that I was starting to grow out of Disney movies a little bit. I was starting to like be a typical teenager and watch music videos and you know watch more adult movies and things like that. And this is also around the time where I, I honestly just wasn't really interested in what Disney was putting out there because after Mulan and Tarzan basically was when they started churning out a lot of really bad stuff for the next you know seven to ten years with the exception of Pixar movies. Um, 
And so I never really got around to watching Mulan. So I finally did recently because it's been sitting on Netflix. It's been in my queue forever. And I was like, you know what? Let's let's finally – I got some spare time. Let's sit down and watch this. Um, and I will say that I think it's fine. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I didn't grow up with it that I don't have this amazing reverence for it and, and love it. But I feel like it's pretty average. I, I, under, I appreciate that it was progressive for the time by putting – a female character like that in a role where she's a warrior and she's not a princess that needs to be rescued and that kind of thing. But I feel like for a Disney movie, as, as beautiful as the animation is, I don't think the soundtrack is anywhere near as good as mo the movies, Disney movies that I love, like Little Mermaid, The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. And honestly, I don't think Ming-Na Wen is all that great as Mulan. I think she's kind of a bad voice actress. Um... But yeah, so I, I liked it, but I, I was not in love with it by any means. You're saying so many like sacrilegious things to you right now, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you were going to be pretty upset with me about this. <laughs> Just like the soundtrack, at least, is amazing. I can't believe you weren't immediately swept up by I'll Make a Man Out of You. But you no, know what? I, okay. I, do know, I do love that sequence, but that's the best song in the movie. And I don't think it shakes a candle to like anything in Aladdin or The Lion King. <sighs> I don't know what to say, Brad. <laughs> see, see, I'm like in between HT and Brad, as Brad was with Jumanji. I'm like, I'm kind of like uh, in between. Like, I don't think it's the classic that some, I guess, millennials think it is. Uh, but I also don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a, it's 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 an okay Disney animated movie. But uh, yeah. Anyways, um, let's move on to what we've been eating. Which is a weird category. Uh, every time I say it, it, it sounds strange. But uh, over the weekend, uh, well, actually, I should back up. Um, someone I follow on social media is this guy named Homer Leewag. He is a designer for David Copperfield. Sorry, more magic. Um, whatever. Uh, but uh, he's one of those guys that you watch, like you'll follow on like Instagram, and he'll be doing so many interesting things with photography. What it, it like inspires you to want to do some of the things he's doing, if that makes sense. Like I, I follow qu quite a few people like that that like inspire me, and I often make purchases based on <laughs> things they're doing. And one thing he was doing a few months ago is he bought this uh, pizza oven called a Rock Box. And uh, I, I, I decided to follow his lead because he's making these pizzas uh, at, at his home, like, like actually, you know, it's a pizza oven. So basically, um, now I want to take a, a second and say, you know, I didn't make pizza dough myself. We bought some store-bought pizza, pizza dough at Trader Joe's. It's not like I, I made this pizza from scratch. But uh, we put together, me and my girlfriend Kitra, we put together a pizza and we cooked it in this pizza oven. It's, it goes up to 900 degrees. So basically you are cooking the pizza in 90 seconds is how long it takes to cook the pizza. Um, and while you're doing that, you have to like turn the pizza because one side of it is closer to the flame. So you're, you know, you don't want to get your hand too close in there because 900 fucking degrees uh but also you know you have to like take the pizza out and like t find a way to turn it while it's cooking and because you don't want to burn it uh it it's actually kind of uh, a difficult process um but i w our first pizza turned out pretty well 
I found it rewarding, and I think the next step is, yeah, we're going to try to make our own pizza dough and uh, and try to, to learn the art of the Napolitan pizza making, um, which is what we did. We, like, put the uh, pushed the air to the crust, so it's, like, this nice airy crust, and it, it looked and tasted amazing, and, uh, yeah. HT, what have you been eating lately? So I had something called Thai Rolled Ice Cream. Uh, there is this new Thai Rolled Ice Cream store that opened at this kind of shopping area near me, like a district. So I tried it out. And um, Thai Rolled Ice Cream is essentially uh, ice cream that has been made on like this frozen grill. They pour um, the the cream onto the grill and then they start kind of like stir frying it essentially and they throw other sort of uh toppings and things in it and like mix it up and then at the end they spread it till it's flat and then roll it up until they're kind of like these uh like coin roll like roll of quarters essentially like that a size of a roll of quarters and um they put it in a cup and it's it's really good it tastes tastes like normal ice cream but you can customize it by whatever toppings or whatever kind of flavors you want. And they have some really wacky flavors, uh, like green tea ice cream or uh, something like that. And it's it's really good. I, I enjoyed it. And it's a really fun thing to watch just to like see them make it in front of you. So it doesn't taste any different, but does the fact that it's kind of like in these thin rolled up layers like feel any different while you're eating it? I mean... It kind of, I guess it kind of tastes creamier, feels creamier in a way. It's I, it's not that different. Um, you just kind of eat it with a spoon and like kind of dig into these little rolls sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's really good. And it's like a, a fun little uh, Instagram moment that you can use essentially. It's, it's funny how many restaurants and food places are popping up that I think are pure Instagram hotspots. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's move on. Brad, uh, you know, I've been staring at Postmates and they for, for like the last week, they were offering free delivery of Burger King for their pretzel chicken fries, which doesn't sound like sounds like three words that shouldn't go together. And I was tempted, but I've been trying to eat better. I, I hear that you have tried them. How are they? Indeed, I have tried them. And they they're not bad. They're, they're honestly nothing really special. It's It's really just. Uh, the normal Burger King chicken fries, but the breading feels a little bit crispier because it has small chunks of pretzels in the in the breading. So it's just really a crunchier version of chicken fries. There's not too much of a noticeable difference in taste or anything like that. So if you're somebody who likes your chicken fries a little bit crispier, uh, then you might want to try the the pretzel chicken fries from Burger King. They're they're pretty good. I dipped them uh, in honey mustard and and enjoyed them for what they were. You know, an, an unhealthy lunch choice. <laughs> And, and speaking of healthy, you also had uh, some unhealthy dessert. I did. Yeah, um, I didn't have this in the same sitting, but I did. I was able to stumble upon a new flavor of Kit Kat that's available in the U.S. for a limited time. Um, it sounds. It seems like every summer now, Hershey's is doing this thing where they release a few new flavors of some of their signature candies as kind of this like tastes from across America uh, like flavor line. And so, like, last year they did this. They had, like, a, a cherry cheesecake Hershey bar, like, inspired by New York. And they had, like, a, a Texas barbecue payday. Um, and then they had – what was one of the other ones that they had? I forget. But this year they had a, a pineapple coconut Hershey kiss, which I tried a while back. 
Um, it's pretty good. But I finally found a, a chocolate-covered strawberry-flavored Kit Kat, which is pretty good. Um, they, they've released strawberry Kit Kats before for um, just for shits and giggles, and now this one's chocolate-covered strawberry. So it's basically just the regular Kit Kat with like a hint of strawberry in it. And it's it's got a nice mix of the chocolate and the strawberry. That it doesn't really taste exactly like a real chocolate strawberry for obvious reasons, um, but it does a good job at capturing the the artificial flavor combination of the two. So chocolate covered strawberry Kit Kats uh, available for a limited time at a store near you. Uh, let's talk about what you've been playing, Brad, because I know last week you wanted to talk about Jurassic World Alive, but we didn't get to it. So uh, tell us yeah, about it. I kind of forgot about it. Um, so yeah, Jurassic World Alive is a, a mobile game that's out now for um, for your all your mobile devices, iPhones. I think it's on Android as well. And the the easiest way to describe it is that it's basically just Pokemon Go with dinosaurs. Uh, and so the it, the mechanics of the game are slightly different. Obviously, um, it's location based, and so just like Pokemon Go, you have to go out, you know, outside and walk around and go to different you know areas to find new dinosaurs you can't just stand in one spot and have them all come to you but just like pokemon go they do change locations and, and that kind of thing and there are stops that you go to spin to get supplies but the way you uh, you get dinosaurs is rather than capturing them uh what you actually are doing is you're flying a drone around and you have to shoot darts at the dinosaurs to get dna from them um, and there's like a target that's on the dinosaur. Depending where you hit it on the target, you get a certain number of DNA. Um, and then you, it takes... Um, so you're saying a, there's more skill involved with the game here. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely a little bit more skill involved because you, uh, you have to aim for a target more than once in order to get higher amounts of DNA. And you collect the DNA because it takes a certain amount of that DNA in order to be able to create the dinosaur. And then once you have the dinosaur as part of your collection, you can keep collecting DNA for that specific dinosaur to level it up and make it stronger um, and give it more health. Because you, you use these dinosaurs um, in a battle area where it's, uh, you, have, you have a set team of dinosaurs that are basically what, what's pulled from for your battle, and it's a set of eight. And then when you go to battle, it get, picks four random dinosaurs from your team that you have to use to fight another person's dinosaurs, and you have to win three of those fights in order to win the match and get, get points to like climb up the ladder of different levels that are tied to locations from the Jurassic Park franchise. So, um, it, so is this game better than Pokemon Go? It's a little more interesting um, simply because one of the cooler things about it is that as you get more dinosaurs and like they level up, once you get certain dinosaurs to a specific level, you can start... Um, using the DNA to create hybrids. So like you can create a hybrid of a, uh, a stegosaurus and a triceratops. And once you get enough DNA to create the hybrid, you have that dinosaur in your collection. And there's a bunch of hybrids you can make. Um, you, you can uh, get the Indominus Rex. You can get the new Indoraptor. And it has all the dinosaurs you've ever seen in the movies and some that have never even appeared in the movies. So there's that, there's that kind of fun aspect to it. Um, and some of the dinosaurs obviously are more rare. The Tyrannosaurus Rex is pretty hard to stumble upon. Um, there's, there's incubators that you can use to ha get more DNA and get more supplies and uh, th things like that. So it's, it's pretty fun. I've been enjoying it. What else have you been playing? Uh, and then to do my usual music uh, playing portion of this part of the podcast, uh, I've been listening to The Incredibles 2 score because... Uh, it's every bit as good as the movie is because Michael Giacchino's 
score for The Incredibles was fantastic, and this is right on par with it. The, I love The Incredibles theme. It's been one of my favorites for a long time. And he does some really interesting things uh, with the sounds in this one. He adds some, some new instruments in play and does some funky things with it that uh, spice it up and make it so that it's not just a rehash of the first movie. Yeah, I, I think both of Giacchino's scores, that are both movies coming out this month, are, are pretty damn cool. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of an extended edition of Slash Film Daily. If you made it this far and you like the podcast, please go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. This podcast can be found every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. As always, please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. Tell us where Brad should put his uh, Dorito crate, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.